Cradleine Network. Space Spinner 2000, a podcast two Americans are to make sense, the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD for Mar- for August and September 1991, yeah. progs 744 to 747, plain prog. Um. <laughs> it's the aviator special, this, Absolutely. Uh, this episode. Yeah. This time, Dread faces the Muzak. We're on a grand adventure with Revere. Dead Meat is on the trail. We'll learn some history in Harlem Heroes and reach the mind-bending conclusions of both Below Zero and Indigo Prime. Quite good. It's a decent showing. Absolutely, yeah. You'll find the comics we're covering today in Judge Dredd, The Complete Case Files 16, Indigo Prime Killing Time, and the Judge Dredd Magazine 298. Ooh. Ooh. Some All right. comic books. Definitely, yeah. Diving into this one. <laughs> Speaking of everybody getting drunk at home, Fox. Mm. Or maybe instead getting drunk on imported soft sit. East Meg 2 Vodka, Fox. Oh, yeah. I love that stuff. It's made out of uh, buds. Yeah. Thrill one, Judge Dread. Yeah, it used to be potato-based, but now it's based out of, like, uh, rice. And now it's basically just kind of sake, because it's, oh, yeah. it's all rice-based. That's <laughs> right. found out. Script robot Garth Ennis, art robot Simon Colby, and Dermot Power, lettering robot Steve Potter, and Tom Frame. Steve Potter doing some of this lettering work. For these Ooh. no good Russians. So last episode, a delegation from Sovsit 2, East Meg 2, one of the, you know, they have a couple different names, honestly, yeah. um, came to, and I should say that that we're seeing the after effects of this meeting <clears throat> and glass between Mega City 1 and East Meg 2. It's kind of the, a don't blow us up thing going yeah. on here. I mean, it is very similar to negotiations that were going on at the at the at, um, during the fall of the Soviet Union, which was happening at this time in real life, <clears throat> and we're also seeing the uh, after effects of that, like maybe eighty or sixty or so years in the future, in the pages of the Judge Dread magazine and the story Red Razors, which takes place in Ooh. East Meg Two in the future from cool. Judge Dread. Even that's very Americanized. Um, okay, they worship the. Uh, they they worship the uh, corpse of Elvis Fox, just so oh, you know. Oh, <laughs> but so and then that corpse Choice. gets stolen. It's complicated. Um, but so a delegation from East Meg Two came to Mega City One, gifted the city with a clockwork pineapple, which was then stolen by a cat by an international jewel thief. But then he like fell to his death, so it was in turn taken by some no good punks. You know they're having fun with it. They're yeah, they're looking at it, listening to music. Yeah. Dreads on the re- on recovery duty, of course, and a ransom note has just come in, and be you know because these these no good punks know nothing about opsec. Basically, Dreads able to track the note uh, back to a pickup, and he's on his way to investigate. Yeah, I you know just really I feel like just turn it in, and it'll get you brownie points. You know, like why, yeah, but you why know, are you trying to steal this thing and ransom it? 
I mean, because just crime comes naturally, these mega citizens, Fox. Crime and lawlessness. That's why you need the judges, as we'll talk about maybe in two episodes' time. Okay. Uh, <laughs> when the when the election finally comes. Oh, right. Um, but so uh, the crooks seem pretty confident. One of them's got a cousin in the Easy Street Striders, so they feel like they've got all their bases covered and stuff. I don't know if that's... Yeah, no, they're very overconfident. Um, as one of the punks manages to get the pineapple open and it plays some music. All right. Yeah. Back at the Hall of Justice, Magruder's making excuses for Dread not being at the negotiating table <clears throat> while stretching out negotiations to give Dread time to recover the pineapple, including, like, hey, like maybe, uh, Hershey, you could like, you know, like give one of these Russian guys a handy or something yeah, just to kind of give us some extra time. Yeah, Magruder definitely like puts it on thick there and then like has it draws a little heart with an arrow through it. I do like that they keep passing notes. And if I remember correctly, even like the 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 uh, East Meg 2 guys do it a little later. It's yeah, like just yeah, everyone yeah. passing notes to each other in, in this. Well, that's so what you do meeting. during... Yeah, diplomatic meetings and stuff like that. You got to pass notes. You got to, like, do secret thingamajigs. It's, it works out, you know? I guess Something. so. Feels weird. Um, yeah. So, um, meanwhile, Dredd's investigating around Easy Street where the message was left, quickly spots the Striders following him, and then All just right. kind of, like, runs around, gets the drop on him, cracks some heads until they give the info, basically. Like, you guys are not – could not handle this situation. <laughs> I don't know why they thought they could, but I guess, you know, whatever. I mean, like, presumably, for I guess a lot it's of... better than being in a gang? Just get well, like, your ass beat? I guess a lot for a lot of people, you don't really have to deal with the judges all that much, you know? Because there's just That's not true. that many judges. So maybe you just don't, you know, you assume that, like, Judge Dredd being an awesome, like, enforcer of the law and investigator and stuff like that. You just assume that's, like, propaganda. Hmm. And so... Other than but saving like it's the just, world multiple times, but yeah, okay. Yeah, but like th they would say that he'd save the world multiple times, right? <laughs> You're right. That's just uh, that's just the the government uh, propaganda machine. Yeah. So like whatever, but like but also like you know I I feel like this feels pretty truthful to me just because I don't know I've seen so many movies of just regular folks thinking they've done the perfect crime or like TV shows too, you know. Like that's, I mean that, that that's every episode of Columbo almost, where <laughs> the rich person thinks they've killed somebody and done the perfect crime because they've like covered one or two bases and right. like set up an alibi or something. And then he just comes in while they're eating their expensive fancy dinner, sits down, kind of eats it while he explains how they totally didn't get away. Well, you know, more likely he shows up where they're doing one of their hobbies and then sort of asks questions about it and stuff like yeah. that, you know. I'm like, oh, yeah, tennis. My cousin's been talking about getting into tennis. But, you know, I always thought my wife said to me that yeah. if you can't get into tennis because you can't wear the whites. And then I try to wear the whites and my they get dirty because I smoke these cigars. And, you know, one more thing about that killing, you know, I <laughs> it's interesting. They got in there when you could only lock the door from the outside or something like that. You know, yeah. that kind of thing. God, I fucking love Columbo, Fox. It's a very uh, anyway. good television show. Yeah. So, um, at a re yeah, okay, we got all that stuff. Um, yeah, at a reception for the Sob judges, Marky, the youngest Sob judge, continues to hit on Hershey as she just glares at everybody for talking of like both hitting on her 
and then talking about him hitting on her, basically. Well, I mean, you know, it's sad, man. I feel bad for this this judge yeah. boy. Well, I feel sad for Hershey, buddy. Come on. Oh, yeah, she's for a, sure. She's I mean, a she's member just... of the Council of Five. She's part of the government of this And country. everyone's pretty much just objectifying her in front of her and not. Yeah. Like, and, like, what what can you do at that point? Like, she, you know, as, as Dredd will say, like, you know, she can't, like, punch him, but she can't, like, all she can do is sort of respond icily and say no. And yeah. then the, and then the, the harassment continues, you know, like, she, exactly. she's, you know, it's just a, uh, you know, there's no, there's nothing else she can do. And it's a bad situation. These guys are basically just ogling her and shit. It's no good. Anyway. Meanwhile, Dredd and a few other judges are moving stealthily to recover the pineapple. It's actually – it's surprising that no one notices it because it seems like there's like 400 judges I, with yeah. H-wagons and shit, you know? I, you know, it's like when – as soon as you said stealth, I'm like, kind of, except yeah. for like the three tanks that they have coming in. Definitely, yeah. Well, I guess, you know, again, it no, just notices that Dredd is accompanied by mm-hmm. Judge Perrier – who was oh. last seen during uh, the Apocalypse War, she showed up with the stub guns during that um, oh, conflict. Oh, yeah, hey. I remember the stub guns. And I think she's also the one that rigged the special bullet that Dredd used to shoot himself in the chest to fake his own oh, death. Oh, really? I, I think. Oh, that's cool. I believe she'll show up a little bit um, more in the course of uh, things. That, um, Ennis seems to be bringing back some of these classic judges, actually, both in this story and in the next story. Fucking cool, man. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, the, uh, judge, yeah, with judgy precision, the lawmen move in, they take out the, sl- the striders and the smaller <laughs> gang member real quickly with maximum force. Just yeah, everybody blows up and dies. <laughs> setting, setting everybody on fire. It's pretty solid. I should also mention throughout this story, actually, the walls have had a bunch of graffiti written yeah, on them. Yeah, I saw the Nine Inch all, Nails reference. Yeah, there's a couple Nine Inch Nails ones, Skinny Puppy, Ministry, a lot of sort of, of uh, current in 1991 bands, basically. The final gang member, who's a lady, and has, a- after even the judges have recovered the, pine- the pineapple, she takes a random, like, a drunk on the street hostage. Oh, oh poor guy. He's got a big old robot hand, by the way. Yeah, but it's pretty funny because, like, Perrier is, like, not impressed by this hostage <laughs> and is like, what? we'll shoot them both. I don't care. But Dredd plays along because he's a, he's a, he, he's got time, I guess. Yeah. Um, so he's like, all right, fine. Like, I'll give you the, I'll, I'll give you the pineapple. And he throws something at her. She catches it and he's like, get down, old man. Cause that thing is a grenade instead of an object DR. He does a good job. He definitely jumps down and then starts getting drunk. Yeah. He must have, you know, he must have been a cool guy. Um, earlier in his life or something like that. Cause he does, he is able to leap away from the explosion unharmed. Fuck yeah. But he does get six months for drinking in public. <laughs> All is well that ends well, and the pineapple is the, um, is is back on display in the Anthony Burgess block to seal the deal with the Savs. And in the end, Dredd just goes, you know, confidentially says to one of the uh, Sav judges that he's lucky Hershey didn't arrest him a billion times for all these salacious suggestions. <laughs> She's married to the law, baby. Maybe next time you should be more like you should do what you should have done with your clockwork pineapple and can it. Oh, <laughs> look at that. Get it because of canned fruit. Absolutely.
So Man, I got to call I, out these puns. I got, I, I got, I got in trouble because I didn't, I didn't mention a pun in an early magazine episode. So I'm trying to make, I'm trying to make up for it. <laughs> so I, I'm going to tell you, buddy, I am somewhat, uh, suspicious of this year pineapple. It sure feels like that could be a nuclear device at some point. Yeah, definitely. You know, I mean, I don't remember if the pineapple ever comes back, but it is something to keep an eye on for sure. I definitely wouldn't keep that in Justice Central. <laughs> no, nah, they don't. They, they've got it in the Anthony Burgess block where they keep all, right. all their suspicious um, artifacts, I guess. <laughs> That's smart. <laughs> yeah. So next story, uh, Dermot Powers on art now, and the story is called The Muzak Killer. Oh, yeah. Like this kid. Yeah, in a swank penthouse, an Australian named Jazz flashes a giant rock of sugar to some babes. Oh, God. The door is kicked in, and a figure in a trench coat shoots Jazz with a machine gun, walks away, listening to The End of the World as We Know It by R.E.M. on his Walkman. Hell yeah, looking looking cool and styling in his orange button-down. Yeah, very. Listen, this is a very like early '90s look here, Fox, with oh, this the trench, black trench coat, coat these headman. Yeah. yeah. Um, later, Dread and Judge Decker, who we last saw being Dread's best rookie ever, way back in the Mayor Dave days of 1984. Oh God damn! Oh Mayor Dave, rest in peace. Definitely. Yeah, they're investigating the the scene. They've got the killer's description, and then Dread arrests all these ladies for uh, sugar use. Well, and it. They wouldn't, he wouldn't have, except the blonde one is just like, of course we were going to take it. Like, who wouldn't? Yeah. Yeah, they were like, oh, he showed us the sugar, but none of us did it because we're good girls who have never done any sugar in our life. And he's like, yeah, but but were you planning to do the sugar? And he's like, a giant rock of pure pure tongue candy? Absolutely. (laughs) Oh, my God. Like, now you're arrested, all right? (laughs) Get out of here. Prick-ass prick. She busted (sighs) her friends, man. Totally. Yeah, that's why you don't say nothing, Fox. That's what I say. Yeah, never tell Um, me anything. Yeah. It can the and kill- will be used against you. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's harder in Mega City 1, but just in general, you know. <laughs> um, so the killer, meanwhile, has laid load for a while and now heads home, pushing through the herd of the Mega City. Blech. Finally coming home to his apartment, which is full of 20th century band posters, records, and a turntable. He's Marty Zapak, and not like all of them, all right? <laughs> yeah, he's very... He's a hipster. He's drinking his coffee. He's listening to his music. I mean, he's like he's a he's one of those hipsters that's like into baroque music, Fox. Yeah, because he's into shit that's from like a hundred and forty years ago. Oh, that's you know? <laughs> like. Oh I my can't, god! I can't stress that enough. You know. <laughs> Um, he's got a theory that everything went bad in the 21st century, so he's living an extremely 20th century life. Hard to disagree, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, again, like, it's like, it's like 20, it's like, what, 22? It's, it's like 20, it's like 2113 in Mega City One right now. And he's listening Jeez. to a lot of stuff from the night, from the 1990s at least, so 120 years in the future. So it'd be oh. like, Someone who's into a lot of like nineteen, like the year nineteen hundred stuff as we're recording this, you know, like that kind, of, like ah, everything went wrong. We stopped wearing straw boaters. See, yeah, oh my god. Listen, I'm all about uh, bandstand music and uh, that newfangled ragtime. It's like 
honestly, it's stuff so so long ago that I don't think I, I even have a frame of reference for it because I feel like I'm make like we're both making a lot of 1920s references. Well, that's fair. And like this is like pre World War, like yeah, like fucking Spanish American War era shit or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't even know. I don't even know. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> he heard one album that told him to kill the Muzak. The Muzak helps the herd. Ugh. And it seems that, like, as he watches TV and we see the usual celebrities sort of expressing sadness for Jazz Ramsey's death, it seems he was a a pop star after being an an Australian soap star. So much Australian soap stuff in the edges of 2000 AD these days. And they're going to have a big charity concert in his memory, which is a perfect chance for Marty to kill the Muzak all at once. I mean, you know, is the Muzak... The man who killed the world. <laughs> Whoa! Oh, that was really that was poor. That was really bad form. I nah, that's it. fine. Dred and Decker burst into Marty's epox, uh <laughs> apartment, but find it to be empty. Of they, they fucking landed him quick. Yeah. Well. Yeah. They sort of ran. You know, I'm sure he's just in the freak database next to like Max Normal or something like yeah, that. Yeah. They, they you ran know? through looking for people who. Uh, like have <clears throat> antique weapons because they it, they noted that it was with a a regular ass gun as opposed to a future gun. Yeah, um, he was in there. Never Definitely registered your his... weapon, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, just or don't do crimes with it. That's yeah, what I'm I mean, trying to say just don't do crimes. <laughs> feel feel free to not murder anybody. You know. <laughs> yeah. But they don't find anybody in his apartment. He's left and taken his record player with him. Dredd theorizes he's trying to bring back the classics while Decker asks what a Pogue is, which is pretty funny. Yeah. Is that band, the Pogues, you know? Mm. And I think that's actually Garth Ennis's favorite band. So it's sort of, you know, whatever thing. At Hit Bros headquarters where the bros themselves oh, wear shirts right. with their names on them. And they smoke cigars and plan the concert. And we got a lot of these jokes that we're seeing a lot these days just about various current bands. Bross is now Kaz, which is kind of funny. Um, there's, which makes more sense if you pronounce it the way I always want to do it. It's bros. But anyway, there's new Jews on the sector, etc. Yeah. Um, the brothers plan a whole campaign benefiting from Jazz's death, as you do. And then later at a uh, giant concert at Simon Bates Stadium, who's a BBC radio disc jockey. Um, the media interviews a bunch of the acts, and they said they aren't afraid as Marty gets his gear ready because he's going to kill these dudes. Yeah. Backstage at the show, Dread browbeats a celeb into performing because the judges are actually pretty worried that um, if this concert doesn't go on, there'll be a riot. By, right. There um, are a lot of people there. Concert goers. Because it's a pretty massive event, and they just kind of want to keep order, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like the place is sealed tight, so Marty shouldn't be able to get in. But He gets in. Yeah, Dread Dread is sort of has a hunch that that they should still be vigilant. And indeed, indeed, it seems that it's been like a couple weeks between the murder and this event, and Marty's just been sort of living in the stadium, like with his record, <laughs> listening to his record player, getting more and more crazy. Um, 
for the last couple of weeks. And now he's got a banging mixtape on his ped man, which is a Walkman in the future. And he's going to get out there and start killing everybody. He's listening to The Clash, <clears throat> the Jesus and Mary chain, as, as he's killing people. And there's reports of gunfire coming to dread. I'm not going to sort of list all the celebrity cameo, like sure. uh, parodies that he's killing. But he's killing a lot of them. All right. Yeah, a lot of them are dying or dead. I I think that like uh, those like Mixmaster and the Bunny Men or whatever, like those uh, those guys that did like the uh, the old timey um, music with the um, with the hip hop beats that he kills those guys. Um, but anyway, yeah, mo- um, montage of these guy of uh, people um, performing on stage and getting killed as he listens to various songs. He sets up a couple sticks of dynamites right as "Light My Fire" by the Doors comes on. Yeah, okay. His mixtape, very on the nose, and Dread is zeroing in on him. Next time on Judge Dread, stop the music. <sighs> Isn't music a form of music that's like? Yeah, it's like a specific brand name. I think of like <laughs> sort of the like elevator music. music. That, yeah, elevator music, sort of stuff that's like maybe it's regular music, but they've sort of taken out like the lyrics and like sort of soften things up a lot yeah it's meant to be like kind of shopping calming music in a way exactly yeah elevators sh- uh, uh shopping malls things like that can i tell you fox Please. something i fa- i found that i found recently on the internet that is my new favorite thing just in terms of yeah being very very bewildering um in terms of music naturally uh it's a uh, sax covers of songs oh that sounds great i love the saxophone which is basically you take like a song and you remove the vocals and you replace it with a saxophone that plays a tune roughly <laughs> the same the same as the vocals. Wow. Okay. It's real like it's just when you're familiar with a song and you expect the words to start and so it's just kind of a smooth saxophone. You got to you got to shoot me some of this cuz that sounds Will fantastic. Do. It, uh, the first time I listened to it, I just I couldn't stop laughing. Like my brother played a bunch of different tracks, and I just laughed every time because it was so absurd. Cool, man. Yeah, and speaking of things that are strange and absurd and disturbing, Fox. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Let's talk. Thrill to revere. Oh, God, this is like so fucking crazy to look at and read. Yeah, script robot John Smith, art robot Simon Harrison, letter robot Annie Parkhouse. Yeah, been a while since we've seen Simon Harrison of like Strontium Dog and Bradley fame here in 2018. I, I mean, it's working right here, buddy. Definitely, yeah. This So this story was written in collaboration between Smith and uh, Harrison in the book uh, Thrill Power Overload. John Smith says, uh, Simon came up with this great looking character and backdrop. I wrote a story where he could show off his art to full effect. So it's basically, this is very much sort of like, listen, I got, like, I'll write some words to do a framework, but really we're, you know, this, the whole point of this story is just to let you get real crazy with your art. And I really think that he, like, they, they accomplished that. Yeah, man, there's some shots in this that are just like breathtaking. It's really, it's a beautiful comic. Definitely, yeah. I will say sort of to my shame, like a lot of things at this point in 2000 AD, I skimmed this one a bit when I was doing my, my first uh, prog read-through. I just sort of looked at the pictures and kind of moved on. So I'm excited to give this one a full chance and sort of read Hell the yeah. stories and stuff. So on a burnt-out desert scape, an official announcement suggests wearing UV glasses and anti-sun exposure suits as a figure stands in the sun observed by like some mercenary folks um, hidden away behind a dune. Damn. 
Another figure appears, and the two kind of make a trade, exchanging things. So the guys on the dunes roll out to interrupt them. But once their dune buggy gets rolling, their target seems to have disappeared. There's reports of a witch boy around these parts, and it seems to be confirmed when a shadowy figure on some nearby rooftops is visible and then leaps away. That's so cool. Just like a fucking backflip. Definitely. The mercs drive into a narrow street, and suddenly a figure surrounded by bats appears and said they shouldn't have come here. Bat time! Bat time! From the roofs, the figure leaps down, hits one raider with a chain, and then spits black gunk onto another, melting his face. Ooh, it's good. Um... Several figures seem to surround the remaining raider as he begs not to be killed. He orders all kinds of like bribes and stuff. Yeah. Until buddy. it seems that his attackers just kind of melt away into the sand, into the uh, dust of the sand from the desert. <sighs> Don't mess with witch boys. No, sir. So the figure from last time arrives at a hideout in an old abandoned high rise, huge windows reflecting an orange sky. And he speaks to a, to a floating tattooed head, oh, his mother's, God. it seems. That's insane. Yeah, it says the deal he did was to get some vegetable seeds and mentions that strawberries are extinct, but he got some other stuff. Um, He leaves this house, um, or he leaves the seed with her and goes out elsewhere in a dark apartment full of bookshelves and stuff. This character, Revere, we um, will find it eventually, sits in lotus position, hovering a foot or two in the air and lets himself go. He's astral projecting or soul walking. Ooh, I love a good astral projection. And his is so oogie. Yeah, as a long-term Doctor Strange fan, I am, of course, super down with astral projection. And yeah, this one, it's really like it's got – it's just got a lot going on with it. It's a very complicated like spiritual form that kind of leaves his body and stuff. It's cool looking. Mm -hmm. Simon Harrison art. Oh, man. He's like observing the world. Like he's not going into some kind of metaphysical reality yet. No, yeah, he's just observing the um, like the city of London and stuff like that. He passes the hustle and bustle and creeping darkness of these of this new London markets and building sides, a gaunt, a, a grim open air hospital. He moves to the south, facing massive death or a uh, passing massive like a decimate, uh, decimation and like a desert desertification of a lot yeah. of the uh, surrounding countryside and then there's a bunch of like astrological symbols carved into the earth yeah 40 or 50 miles south he sees them yeah all these uh, astrological signs drawn into the sand and um we see a man talking about a coming age as his pet crow or to his pet crows as he drinks whiskey and stuff like cool. that seems to get freaked out slightly by a revere shadow passing by him but that's about it <laughs> Revere flies on when suddenly ghostly hands grab him and pull him through a strange hellscape yeah. and into a disturbing world, the crazy place, the bad dream house, gardens of wire and cured meat, thousands of faces staring like on the walls. Wall. Yeah. They pull Revere deeper to a hooded woman. She calls him Aquarian and welcomes him to the crooked womb. This is the dawning of the age of Aquarian. Age Something. of Aquarian. He says he's a Gemini, but that's not what this is about. <laughs> yeah, she's um, like, nah, dog, you're not a Gemini. Well, you know, it's more complicated than that, I guess. Yep. She says he is needed here. He is the finger on the world pulse. He should come again tomorrow with his body. Oh, gotta bring your meat, boy. Gotta bring yeah, your that- meat. 
<laughs> Whoa. <laughs> so Revere's spirit goes flying back to his body, and he's decided to take this crazy woman up on her offer. <laughs> you know, just as you do, huh? I mean, listen, if you're already, like, levitating as you meditate and astral projecting and shit, I think when a mysterious magic woman does stuff to you and then says you should go, I think you go, you yeah, know? Yeah, that's fair. It's going to going to at the very least be an interesting adventure yeah like you're gonna stop believing in magical shit now (laughs) you know (laughs) i just want marginal magic superpowers just to like you know like you know run a vacuum at the same time that like things are cooking themselves as you know a video game plays itself or something like listen i i can spit corrosive black oil out of my (laughs) out of my mouth to kill people but like listen to the orders of what's clearly a prophet of a, of, of a prophetess. That's a little crazy for me. Thank it you very much. It sounds like a lot of work. I guess is you know right. I mean, it does seem it does seem like a lot of work. Yeah, he packs to travel, and on the way out, he's greeted by a woman, uh, Chloe McKiernan, better Judy. known, yeah, as a, as a masherad. And she's apparently wanted by all these different forces around town, like uh, the mercenaries that were watching Revere earlier in the story were doing so to try to be a lead to catch this Masherad person. Man, and she lays it on thick, but I think that their exchange is cute, if that makes sense, because both yeah. are sort of stumbling over each other. It feels very teenager-ish, honestly, yeah. just sort of like like one person who, like, she seems to really like Revere and kind of wants them to, like, team up or do something. But Revere is so focused on this quest he's currently on that he can't even notice that, you know? Well, but he kind of does at some point because it's like the the whole like, she's like, oh, let's, let's, uh, you know, I'll see you around sometime. Okay. And he's like, sure. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be great. <laughs> he's, then yeah. he goes into full fun. It, it was just cute. They're, they're just yeah, really no, dumb. Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a good meet cute. Honestly, it felt actually weirdly realistic yeah. in this weird ass story. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I will say also it's kind of – I'm a little thrown sometimes by how much Revere's look changes from scene to scene, I guess, and based yeah, on his clothing strongly. and stuff like that. Like it, there there are a couple times in this story where I I, I'm lo- I lose track a little bit of who Revere is, I guess, just yeah. because he doesn't – like, you know, his like his like face and skin color and like other things change. Um, yeah, from, or like when he – Change I mean, from if, scene to scene. If they didn't just cover his head – I guess, like, in this particular scene. Because then they uncover it again later, like, in, like, a yeah. another page. And it's so much easier when you when you see the, the like, wild hair that you can be like, ah. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Um, Harrison is not interested in keeping Revere's silhouette the same for a moment, you know, to, which, to, to, to let you see hit an iconic silhouette for this character, Which basically. is pretty cool, you know. I mean. It's fine, yeah. Fucking it's a, it's, his art is very fluid anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a, a, a realistic choice, mm-hmm. you know. It's just interesting for something so stylized, I guess. But yeah, um, but yeah. So, um, oh, also, I, I I'll mention, I guess, a little bit that, like, I think something that's a criticism of sort of post Simon Bisley two thousand AD mm. is you get um the is you get these big painted pages and stuff like that. But um, sometimes the paint is a little – like the, the, the colors all, all involved are a little bit too much for the paper these comics are. Things get a little muddy. Uh, and I think we are kind of seeing some of that muddiness in this Simon Harrison work as well. Yeah. 
Revere makes his way south. He's parkouring through the city, hiding under an umbrella in the desert when it gets too hot during the day, making his way through salt deserts as well, yeah. and marshes and stuff. It's crazy. The salt there's desert, a, like everything's covered in salt. <laughs> like there's I, a bicycle. Salt deserts, salt deserts are terrifying, man. Like, right? Um, like that's like the – I don't know if, if if you've ever read – The red pools and, and the sulfurous lakes and shit. Yeah. Like I don't know if, if you've ever read the – um read or listened to like accounts of uh the Donner Party, the like American oh, yeah. like settlers who ended up being stuck in the mountains and I, falling to cannibalism and stuff. I was I was born in Chico, California, which was uh one of the um one of the Donners founded Chico and Butte County specifically. Yeah. Well they were called the Buttes, but they were a part of the Sure. Yeah, yeah. But 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 like leading up to that, they basically just they like Took a real ill-advised yep. shortcut. They through, well, through well, this, through, okay. Oh, sorry. I was a very particular member of their party who was a failed banker. What, like it? It was this whole thing. They actually, yeah. I, I showed you. They have one on puppet history about that as well, which I thought was very yeah, funny. yeah. No, I mean, there's a lot of stuff about it, but yeah, they like you know, not not to get too far into it, but sure. like basically, they decided to take a shortcut over the salt o- over. The salt flats in um, in Utah, like around and the Great like Salt Lake and stuff like that, to it or some shit. It's yeah, was not smart. It's just the when you hear about it, it, just sounds like the worst place on earth. Like in terms of just like <sighs> in terms of like life being able to live through it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? When they like lost, they lost like cattle during that time. There was a whole yeah. bunch of shit that happened. But at, yeah, but anyway, I I just like yeah, l- like you said, I I I really love just uh, Harrison's art for this desolation that mm. Revere's moving through and stuff. It's really cool. Um, by the second day, he's out of water and wondering why he's doing this. But suddenly, in a dark forest, he hears music in the air. He follows it deeper in. For a moment, he sees that hermit woman looming before him, and then the world just goes out like a candle. God, he's got all this sand in his mouth and in his eyes. Yeah. So strange fa- – finally strange faces appear from the blackness. A woman in blue body paint tends to revere. We're going to get so, like a, a moderate amount of nudity in this story, Fox? <laughs> I mean, this is a this is a nude blue fairy woman tits out. So it's like, all right, yeah. well – and she wants, and she wants a, she wants a kissel. She wants to give him a kissel on the lips. Yeah, I feel like because this is a pretty like impressionistic story and stuff like that. Like they're sort of Gets not worrying about it. that much. Yeah, but also, like, you know, it is sort of the the move in two thousand. You know, we're sort of grow like we're like especially in a post killing time world in a post America world over in the magazine. Like, oh, you know, I mean, we can well, a, I was going to say a little like, bit more of these nudies going on here. You, you also got it in Slain, the Horned God, right? Like, absolutely, they didn't yeah, out. definitely, yeah, yeah. So we're sort of you know we can sort of do this for our more fancy stories. You know, probably probably not in 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 a dread, probably not <laughs> in like some of the lesser stuff. But if you're like the fancy story in the Prague, then you can sort of get away with this stuff. Sure. Um, <laughs> um, but anyway, um, yeah, he's been out for three days as this woman prepares a sand mask for him and he'll he'll live. And the next day he arrives to finally see the hermit. She's Sweet. rolling stones on the ground, which seems to tell a story and wonders who Revere truly is. Leather boy, heretic, fisher king, black magician, and a dozen more rumors about him. Cool. But none matter. What matters is inner truth. Okay. 
She tells Revere to be like a stone, always remaining untouched by emotion, a free mind embracing chaos but turning its back on the beast within. He must save the world. He must destroy it. God damn. All right. Yeah. She leads him through a portal into something called the uh, Quadrocento, um, where an, an, an Equinox pageant is being played out. A bunch of strange images appear, like mythological things, the Aeolian mirror, the bleeding fruit of Yggdrasil, the Harspec scriptures, the shriven harp melted from the armor of Cathar knights. Mm, just damn. sort of general weird stuff. Um, and then they go through the door of needles to the inquisitors of the crooked house. <laughs> time to time to do some slam haikus, bro. Yeah, yeah. They these creatures called the slaked ushers who only speak in haiku. They aren't very helpful, but are pretty crazy looking. Um, yeah, fuck and it's yeah, time. Man. Yeah, and it's time for the final part of his journey. Revere stands <laughs> at the top of a strange arch of standing stones as a storm arrives. He feels the storm coming, the static electricity rising up in his body, and is then hit by a lightning bolt and disappears. He done got quickened. What? Okay, yeah, we'll see how it goes. No, that was what's the story, not to you, Fox. I know what you're talking about. I've seen Highlander. But yeah, interesting stuff. Next time on Revere, Thunder Speak. Give it a 10 out of 10. That's a 10 out of 10 prog right there. Fun Real stuff, good. man. It's yeah. it's got enough like what the fuck's going on mixed with I understand what's going on mixed with this art. Oh my god, this art, bud. Definitely. Ten out of ten. Yeah, no, yeah, definitely fun stuff. I'm excited for this story for sure. I think this is one of these ones that is <clears throat> um like le- is sort of one of these ones where they're really trying to stretch some weight like stretch some minds and kind of get real crazy with the art for this thing. Oh, yeah. I think it, that makes it a little a little divisive but i think in the end it ends up being a good thing yeah absolutely and that and i guess speaking of uh divisive thrills let's continue oh. on to thrill three dead meat i mean by the end of this i still i i i like this so yeah it's fine <laughs> it's so stupid yeah, I think, I think, like, like I, I feel like, like you and me, Fox. Yeah, you especially, but, but me as well. We're, we're, we're both on this. Have kind of a horseshoe theory of, um, <laughs> <laughs> of thrill quality. Yeah, where like in the end, like of a really like in, in terms of enjoyment, a really good thrill and a really bad thrill are sort of closer than you might think. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Oh, God, I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm going to let you talk, but I can't. I think, you know what I mean when I say I can't wait. Yeah, because I think I think we can both agree that, like, while this is not the greatest thrill in terms of, like, most metrics, it is a very – it is fun and ridiculous. Oh, it's so f- – it – it it goes to a place that I thought is just so funny. Like it it there are three acts to this prog <laughs> this month. <laughs> yeah, so let's let's get it here. Okay, so script robot oh. Michael Co- Michael Cook, art robot Simon Jacob, lettering robot Alita Fell, Inspector Ram, and ev- by the way, I just want to say everyone's real lucky that I can't do goat noises because I would be doing it every time for Inspector Ram's name. Oh, man. He's got these. Two two A's, and he says whenever there's an A, or or sorry, fifty percent of the time when there's an A in his word bubbles, there's two A's, and he's clearly oh, bleeding those so letters great. and stuff. It's crammed. Exactly. So he. Inter- I imagine <laughs> that he's a Scottish goat. 
just going to put fair. that out there. Yeah. He interrogates one of those party guests from last episode. They've got an idea where the meat sellers are, but Ram and partner Vera Brett <sighs> can't go to investigate together because she's got to go to the Smythefield guy's yacht. That's the yeah, rich guy. Yeah, make sure he's not episode. just murdering animals. I mean, seems reason. In retrospect, this seems like a reasonable thing to do. Um, <laughs> soon, Ram is bursting through a locked warehouse door on like the piers as Brett arrives at the seer gar of this horse to find Smithfield, that rich guy, uh, pointing a rifle at her. And then he passes a shooting pigeon, but it turns out to be a fake out of like a mechanical model. Yeah, pigeon. but he and he comments about just like, oh, you know, we really worked hard to make that blood splatter really. Yeah, <laughs> really look this the part, and I'm just like Jesus Christ. Yeah. I guess uh, Vera is here. You know, you have clay discs that you can shoot. You know, listen, I don't think you realize Smithfield's commitment to being just an evil Captain Planet. Oh, villain I mean, I definitely listen. I know by the end of this, everyone should know how great it is. Like he's gotta, it's gotta have some kind of blood. You know, he, he commits um, to the bit so hard. Definitely. I guess so Vera Brett's he- Vera's here to ensure that this rich person's weekend remains bloodless. I, th- I think I might have called her Velma last time, Fox. I'm getting That's it fine. confused with um, the character in Al's Baby over in the magazine who is called Velma. Oh. I believe I called her Vera a few times. These <laughs> V-E-N-N-N-A lady names are very – get mixed up in my head, Fox. Yeah. Just go with Velveeta. Fair enough. Since um, this is a cheesy comic book. <laughs> Ram investigates this warehouse, but it's just a bunch of imported woolens from New Zealand. Oh, and that guy's getting face deep in those Loves in him. those woolies. Yeah, and I guess I guess uh England is vegetarian but not full vegan yet, because I think if this is a vegan kingdom, you'd still arrest these guys <laughs> because wool is a result of uh slave labor from sheep and stuff. You can't as opposed eat honey, to, bro. Comes yeah. from bees. That's right. You know, they get those they get honey by just taking honeycombs and putting it in a big ju- in a big um grinder that just grinds everything up, including all the bee parts, and just puts that into the jars. Jesus. Not actually, but that is what they'll tell you on Twitter, Fox. <laughs> what? Um, That's not true. I know it's not, but listen. I've seen, get- I've seen people harvest honey. You just pick up the slat and then just like it goos out. No, no, you turn it into a you turn it into a grinder specifically designed to cause the bees pain, Fox. But <laughs> then you don't have anything that makes honey. <laughs> Listen, I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you what I learned on the internet, Fox. <laughs> you know, right? you you know what? You make a very qualified statement. Upstream in the country, it's time for this fancy fox hunt. But in this case, they're chasing a guy in a fox costume instead of a fox himself. This is the future liberals want, Fox. Oh. Um, <laughs> Smith Smithfield gives Vera a horse to ride, I, and um. I, I feel like, you know what, you're right. We would be the rich aristocrats that have all of the guns and hunt people down. Oh, I just feel like that's a very, like, you know, like, you want to end fox hunting? Oh, well, once you end it, the next time they hunt a fox, it'll be your son! I mean, it seems like he's probably getting paid pretty well. I love when Smithfield gives Vera this horse. He uses like seven different meat metaphors in the process. <laughs> he's really – he lays it on. 
I mean, it's not even, it's not even like, he's not putting it on like butter. He's putting on like a full fucking brick of butter onto that toast. I'll oh. mention also, this is the second time this year we've seen someone dressed as a fox be hunted for sport by upper crust types. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <It> keeps coming up. <laughs> Tally ho! The horde sounds. Horses go after this dude as Ram investigates elsewhere. In the shadow of Big Ben, he finds some blood on like a quayside. Bad. The hunt's progressing well, though we learn the kid in the fox costume also has a ball and chain around his leg so he doesn't go too fast. <laughs> The hunt is caused the uh, the the guy the, the kid in the fox costumes at bay and they call it a day. But that night, Smithfield heads out to the stables with a knife because he's planning to kill these horses for their meat. I know and he's this really really amazing image at the end where he's just like grabbing a horse by the face and holding a knife up to its eye, and the horse is like, "Ah, this is terrifying! Please don't do this." He's like, "Oh, they're a fine stock, and I think they've." Pre- today what muscle-packed firm-fleshed beasts we breed here it's very much like literally the horse doing one of those scenes from like aliens where like ripley oh yeah like 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 the alien face is like right next to ripley's head and she's like freaking out or something oh my god it is uh it this is a visceral horse face it's really good i don't i think it's hilarious I, I I was I was laughing quite a bit. A rooster, and then and then a rooster oh, crows right. in the morning, and, and Smithfield walks it. out and just shoots that rooster right in the face as 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 Vera Brett suddenly appears, and so he's got to pick up the rooster corpse and hide it inside his coat, I guess. Yeah, and it's like dripping blood out of him out of his coat yeah. the whole time, but she's not looking down. And then as he's walking, it's just. Leaving a trail of blood behind him, yeah. (laughs) Vera wants to see the horses, but Smithfield distracts her, I guess. And instead, they go to see some upper-class types fishing in a pond. Yeah, fishing for boots. Yeah, there's no fish there, so the fops celebrate when the former Lady Boyer catches a welly. Yay! If you get two, you get some boots. Yeah, there's also a, a bit of discussion about personal breeding and that par- uh, peerages have been abolished in the New England and stuff. Mean- meanwhile, these fops get their boots and prepare to go craft certain junk items for their islands and stuff. <laughs> More trash <laughs> bags for the trash heap. <laughs> meanwhile, back in London, Inspector Ram finds some no-good teens cutting class. God, he's really doing the whole Judge Dredd thing over here. Definitely, and gives them a uh, a exposition filled history lesson. <laughs> uh, the giant pig thing in a vat, pretty terrifying. Just, yeah, yeah, that's real gross. Post global warming, the sea levels the, the sea level has risen. The River Thames becoming a lake and flooding London, of course, and because of that, farmland has become especially precious. And it seems like other countries have gained because deserts have actually become farmland in some cases. Okay. Anyhow, food's still important. He's like, oh, you like your food, boy. Yeah, listen, like I like – people need food to live. It's not a yeah. choice, you know. Um, but so meat's been outlawed and we do see people trying – like a par- I, I can't – like he says the standard vegetarian thing of like that it takes <clears throat> 16 kilograms of grain to make one kilogram of beef. Sure. And – we do kind of, but this is over like some scientists with a giant test tube of like one of like <laughs> a 
a cow that's just been designed to be made like genetically engineered to make um like beef products it's got like no face and like weak bones and stuff like that sure um and it's not clear if this is before or after meat was outlawed to yeah me. don't it's know. like those uh it's 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 like that rumor that Kentucky Fried Chicken changed its name to KFC because they can no longer call the creatures they use to make their food chickens anymore. Yeah, that's not true. Yeah, no, it's to remove the fried part because of people being health conscious. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, but that doesn't matter. All right, meat at meat oh, meat is out, meat's <laughs> outlawed, and thus there's a black market for meat, Ugh. and that's what Ram's job is to stop. Good times, history, and- history's real cool. Wow, if we learn stuff like that when we go to school all the time. Yeah, Yo, you're going nowhere because you were skipping stones on the river on the Lake Thames, frightening the fish, and that means you go to jail for being uh, like oh, scaring people for threatening. Yeah. <laughs> And then the second act begins. It's so wonderful. Conrad, it's so wonderful what starts. Yeah, Vera is heading home on this boat, radios that she's found nothing, when she suddenly hears a strange throbbing shaking the entire ship. She follows it. And in the in the bottom of the of this um, pleasure yacht finds a massive butcher operation going on. Walls For covered horses. in blood, horse carcasses being cut to pieces everywhere. <laughs> but before she could do anything, the bad guys get the drop on her. Oh, dang. Okay, so Brett and and uh, Smithfield or Smithfield, I guess there's a Y in there, but I'm just going Smithfield. I guess I, I'm assuming I'm going to get correct, and it's going to be like, oh yes, it's spelled Smithfield, but it's actually pronounced like Smwat or something like that. Oh. But I'm, I'm going with it. <laughs> Feel like it's Smith. Could be. Uh, okay, yeah, that sounds more. That, that sounds richer, actually. So let's go with that one. Yeah. Um, but so they have a bit of an argument about whether meat is or is not murder, and <laughs> if her disappearing will cause any trouble or whatever. Nah. Here is then dragged away as Smythefield. Smythefield says it's time to pack up the butcher shop. Oh as my God. he takes, as he just kind of reaches into a giant vat of like blood just and awful flesh. and stuff, yeah, and just kind of. Eat some of that. Yeah, he's, he's just, just like rubbing it on his gums, basically. It's like, Jesus, yeah. buddy. You're going to have stomach problems from that, man. I yeah. guess it's not cool. There are parasites. Um, yeah. Elsewhere, a pulse surveillance craft full of hippies um, spots a craft docking at the suspicious key that Ram was investigating. And soon he arrives on his awesome, again, Judge Dredd style <laughs> water cycle. <laughs> Two men are struggling with a big bag of something, and they Ugh. open fire on when Ram tries to arrest them. They drive off in a car on land, but the land is right next to the water, so <laughs> Ram can follow them night boat style, basically. Yeah. Where, like, uh, there's always a canal or an inlet or something that he could use his water bike on. Um, Ram jumps onto the car's roof and butts his way through, again, mean God. machine style. It's so um, great. And that sends them flying into the dr- into the water. Ram comes up with both these perps and the sack. And when he opens it, it's Vera inside. Ah, uh, snap. They were trying to get rid of the body. And my God, buddy, we now get to what is possibly <laughs> my favorite thing that I have seen in this comic. I mean, obviously, I love things aside, but just goes on the like- list. It's it's like an it's an entire page where only like one third of it does so much work to yeah. make me happy. 
Vera comes to in a hospital with Ram standing over her. She's conscious just long enough to explain that Smythefield has a mobile abattoir and did this, you know, sort of like beat her up and left her for dead or whatever. Soon, Ram and a boat full of bobbies are approaching Smythefield's yacht. Ram comes aboard by a grappling hook, butts a few guards. Exactly. And then Smythefield arrives and says, I've got nothing to hide, man. Vera drank too much sherry and fell off the side of the boat. My goons were just going to drop her off there uh, on the shore. Ram then goes butt crazy. He's pushing through all these doors Fuck and stuff yeah. like that, checking all the rooms aboard the ship and finding nothing. Not even when he gets to that abattoir room. Um, which is now free of horse flesh, but does have a, have a huge winch, a huge suspicious winch system, which is act, which Ram accidentally activates, and everyone sees that it activates and puts him inside of a net with a chain puts, connected to it. Grabs him, puts him in a chain connected net, and then drops him into <laughs> like. Yeah, like a diving thing that just sort of empties out out the bottom of the boat into the Thames. And then suddenly into Parliament. Yeah, stuck in cargo netting, Ram is dragged down into Westminster Palace, you know, the uh, the building that's attached to a submerged Big Ben for our American listeners. Um, And there he gets pulled into the – Houses into the House of Parliament, that big room where you see like everybody said they're like, oh blah blah blah, the minister will not do this, blah blah. Um which is full oh. of scuba divers <laughs> butchering horse horses <laughs> that are just sitting in the rows of parliament and stuff. This is where they hide their meat. <laughs> I think one's got a fancy wig on. It's yeah. pretty solid here, buddy. <laughs> The House of Commons was turned into just a place where you store meat, which I guess might not be that far off. It's satire. Listen, we're going to get these puns next episode, Fox. Oh, my God. <laughs> next this... time on Dead Meat. Order! 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 <laughs> yeah, I know my... I know. Man, let me let me tell you, Conrad... <laughs> you you once told me the last time we recorded mm-hmm. that maybe people are not super stoked on this comic. I will I will I say I don't I don't understand how that could be possible. <laughs> I will say everyone like like I I, I will say ninety percent of people who are down on dead meat will be down on dead meat with the caveat <laughs> <laughs> that this that this moment of Ram showing up in in the how in into Parliament that's full of dead horses and scuba diving butchers is pretty is pretty awesome. It this is so far been this is the this is like the you know we've had all these like nice little serious uh, little bits and bobs that we're going into, and we're still going to get some of that as we end up. This is like the fun, the fun slide into the rest of the of the comic, which will continue to be somewhat serious. You know, yeah, yeah, it's so great. It's like you go from one pool, and you're like, okay, I'm done. I'm done waiting around in like the the high art, high concept pool. I'm gonna now. I'm gonna take the fun loop de loop slide into like the uh, you know a little less serious, but a lot more you know. Well, I guess no, there that's is, not true. There is definitely some whiplash going from Revere to Dead Meat <laughs> to Thrill 4 Indigo Prime. 
yeah. I feel, you know, maybe this is just a, it's it's the boat ride in Willy Wonka, and this is the part where you see the chicken get its head cut off. Oh, yeah. Listen, we're in a, we're like, we are in this period in the Prague where they are trying, I feel like they are trying to push limits or like just kind of do some crazier stuff, you know. I mean, I think fucking, that's part of being grown up. Fucking A. You know? I, uh, <laughs> they kind of nail it. Like, like this early days are sort of being like, yeah, we're trying to be a more grown up comics. We're trying to have more, you know, more graphic violence, but also more like psychedelic or like weird surrealist stuff. You know, yeah. we'll see what ends up winning in the end, I guess. So Indigo Prime, script robot John Smith, art robot Chris Weston, lettering robot Tom Frame. So last time, Indigo Prime agents Winwood and Cord confronted this timeless entity known as the Iscariot, and Cord was captured by it, his arms held in scissor-like appendages. Winwood tries to throw some energy blasts at it, but it's no good, man. This thing's real powerful. Instead, the Iscariot snips, and Cord's arms are removed above the elbow. The Iscariot explains that while it was indeed mostly trapped... It used that time to grow physically lean and spread its mind, slipping the bars of its prison to inspire the minds of all of history's greatest monsters, including Thatcher, who's in there, as well as, like, you know, Hitler and Charles Manson and whatever else. It plans to fix reality, remake it in its own image. And we get this, like, picture of, like, a skull with American flag sunglasses on and stuff like that, you know, telling. Um, Culver... Having suffered past trauma was a willing instrument to the Iscariot's machinations, um, opening the way for it, f- opening the way to the Iscariot, Sucker Benoth, Chief of the Eunuchs, Emperor of Ice Cream, the shape of things to come, which is one of uh, Nemesis' um, um, aliases as well. It then shoots a beam at Winwood, taking out his eyes, blinding him, and the two of them are to fight. But what chance does Winwood have? A good one, it seems. Winwood senses a bird and takes control of it and sends it a second into the past. So there's two of them. Does the same with those two birds to make four and then eight and then 16. And soon the birds become a blizzard of wings, a seething blitzkrieg, a a, a screaming, seething blitzkrieg of wings. This massive surge destroys the Iscariot from the inside out. Winwood crawls to Cord. The two of them hold each other and assure them and, and assure themselves that things will be over soon. They'll be going home as the massive buildings of the Corazon collapse and the army of birds fly into the sun as the tracks of the time train breaks apart. Written at the end, I love my work and want to start again. You will soon hear hear of me and my funny little games. The next job I do, I shall clip. A, w- a lady's ears off and send them to the police officers just for a jolly, wouldn't you? My knife is nice and sharp, and I want to get to work right away if I get a chance. Good luck. Yours truly, Jack the Ripper. The end of Killing Time. <clears throat> Jesus, man. Also, I, I believe that was the first Ripper letter. Um, I believe, yeah, it's one of the one of the early, or yeah, one of the ones that 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 came in. I believe it's a direct um, um, quote ooh. from it. What a fucking story! I, are they coming back? Because armless and eyeless, that doesn't seem like it's going to happen. Also, with that, you know, whole place falling down around them. Yeah, it's not. I mean, Indigo Prime will return, Fox. Okay, but Jesus, <clears throat> not until the year twenty eleven. Holy crap! 
So I haven't I haven't read the Indigo Prime Return. I don't know what happens with it. Um, oh, I mean, it deserves the break. It did. This was a lot, but it's very much. This is very much like the climax of of this Indigo Prime story. No, it Indigo was Prime fucking beautiful and horrible, and I feel yeah. so sad for these characters. Definitely, yeah. I wish. Like, I am a little bummed just because we only had this one section in here, although I did love the cliffhanger we had last episode, oh, yeah. so this one goes pretty quick. Um, really excited to get the collection for this together and stuff. Fuck um, yeah. But yeah, oh man, real fu- – like, just the Im- – like, I feel like I underserved it, but man, the imagery of Winwood uh, of no. Winwood doubling up these, um, <clears throat> yeah. these birds and stuff was really cool. Um, and just the way it was written, it felt very, like, visceral and, like, you're very much in Win- – like, even though it's in, like, the third person, it's very, like, you're inside Winwood's eyes as he – desperately tries to do something to yeah. sort of fight against this uh this this endless creature and stuff well and he's there there are these cutaways of him just saying things like oh god like because he's in so yeah. much fucking pain yeah he screams like why are you doing this after cord's arms are cut off and stuff like that it's really yeah. cool it's like you really even in just this little piece you really feel for these characters and then when they when they triumph even if it's kind of a tragic triumph or a pyrrhic victory or whatever mm. you still really feel for them and ooh, it's real good um such a great fucking comic yeah, and all these guys will, or you know, both the 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 creative team. This will, will go on to a ton of stuff. You know, Chris Weston is a, is a, is a, is a steady 2000 AD artist to this day. I, um, well, he actually, you know, he came on the show for um a winter special we did, mm. and I'm a, and and he was sort of like unhappy with that, but um does kind of list this comic as. Like an early masterpiece of his, uh, buddy. Like, ten out of ten. Like it's like fucking when, perfect. When he feels like he really like came into his own as an artist and stuff, I'd love to. Like maybe I'll try to. I'll try to set up set, set something up with him because I feel like with this now in mind, I'd love to talk to him about just sort of like what the scripts for this look like. Yeah, like how you sort of like, especially like those like that image from last episode of like the Iscariot and stuff oh, like that. God, like how that you, was insane. How you put stuff like that together even is is a really interesting thing. Mm. Um, but but so he'll be in the Prague a lot. I mean, John Smith is already you know he wrote Revere in here, and this is a very much a a high point for John Smith, where they're you know with this sort of more like doing more surrealist stories Absolutely. in here. He's very much like in his element for things. You know, like if you want to read John Smith's writing, he's all over 2000 AD. He's always got short stories in the annuals and stuff right these days and just all this stuff all this body like if you want some body horror and some confusing reality shit he's got you coming (laughs) (laughs) that's Uh, that's pretty good i I say that as complimentarily as possible i mean that's i can't um, think of a higher compliment sir (laughs) like i'm i'm just i'm describing the content as best i can but i feel like i feel like based on what i've read he'd basically agree with that like yeah i don't know it's beautiful. All right. Yeah, totally. Oh man, I'm glad. I'm glad you like this one, Fox. This is something that I was really glad to. Oh, it, was, it was a killer, killer look app. Look back over. It's really been like you know. I, I I think I've told you before that in my head in 2000 AD, I kind of imagine there being a lot of these like sort of milestone stories, mm-hmm. like where you, we sort of get to them. And like, all right, like now we've covered that. That's awesome. And uh, and Killing Time's definitely one of those ones. Fuck yeah, man. I can see why. Jesus Christ. I wasn't <laughs> expecting any of this. And yeah, I think so well executed. 
I think if you're if if folks listening are interested, the next big milestone is definitely going to be I think the next Dread Epic um, in '92. Mm. But anyway, let's continue on, Fox. Let's let, listen. Had some real amazing stuff in this or in the in the, in the front half of this comic. You know, yeah. Revere and Killing Time, like with a with a weird sorbet of like um, <laughs> of like dead meat to like uh, clear our palates a little bit. But now let's power up. For the remainder, getting started with non-thrills, covers, and nerf setters. Ah, uh, hell yeah. Got some good got some good cover. Yeah. 744, Revere, the witch boy of London town, and we see a picture of the lad himself and that uh Jackdaw guy from the from the cover. Yeah, the red- I like that guy. He's getting drunk. Yeah, definitely. Very red cover here by Simon Harrison. In the Nerve Center, Thark teases another story coming in Prague 750 along with the mm. ABC Warriors and Robo Hunter. We're oh. going to get a new Universal Soldier story called Whoa. The Indestructible Man. Uh, okay. Yeah, you like it. Meanwhile, <laughs> Igroid is plugging the 2080 yearbook, which we'll be talking about next week here on the show. Yearbooks are taking the place of annuals. They'll be around for the next four years or so. Don't forget to have your friends sign some nice, nice goodbyes on some of those blank pages. That's right. See you next summer. For Thrill Power. The <laughs> okay there, bud. Yeah, the prog ends with an ad for Terminator 2. Full page T2 ad. Very exciting. I need your, I need your comics... Your thrills uh, and your and your motorbike. robots. Yeah. <laughs> Prog seven forty five. Drop it, punk. Cliff Robinson draws dread shooting a dude with some sweet tattoos and a knife. Oh Pick man! Pick up his gloves. And the nerve <laughs> center Thark. Yeah, Thark teases that what the fifth story will be that starts in Prog seven fifty. It will have a Z in the title, apparently. Okay. Meanwhile, Igroid plugs the Judge Dredd yearbook, all these yearbooks, and then probably there's an ad for the UK Comic Art Convention, UCAC, as well as Paintball Place Electroworks and some Terminator tie-in novels and comics and stuff like that. Uh, It's pronounced UCCAC91. Yeah. If you want the uh, novelization of Terminator 2, you want the making of Terminator 2, you got some spin-off comic books, all this stuff. Oh, okay. Ready for purchase. Proc 746, Dave Oyne draws a breakout in Daudamoto as Lula goes flying off into space. That that bastard. In the nerve center, Tharg contradicts himself. This new story won't have a D in it, but will be the return of mutant bounty hunters in the story Strontium Dogs. Yeah! This feels like a last-minute decision to not spell dog with a Z, dogs with a Z, Fox. That's what I'm, I'm trying to say. I'm really glad that they didn't do that. That feels like a very 90s move for things. Agreed. Igroid's also stoked about Prog 750 and the cool stuff it will bring. There's going to be some uh, some to- some uh, like trading cards that come with it as well. They aren't mm-hmm. really calling that out fully. Um and um, there's also a uh, plug for the new uh, Dread magazine that's come out. Mid-Prog, nice. there's an uncredited version of Bits, the video game column. This one's about the Game Gear, Sega's handheld. Yeah. The article mentions its limited battery life and TV tuner attachment, so you can watch Oh, I forgot about the TV tuner. On there as well. Um, and it's got a brief update about both the Game Boy and the Lynx. Oh, man, these handhelds. <laughs> 
The input page has pictures of Mean Machine Tharg and Judge Al Roy based on a mascot for the band All that looks a lot like Bart Simpson, but there's a lot of sort of protests that are definitely not based on Bart Simpson. Okay. Letters, correct Igroid about the seasons, give us some facts about the Beetlejuice system, defend below zero from ripoff accusations, and they Fuck even yeah. – Bring in John Brosnan to sort of give how his writing technique for how he wrote Below Zero, and um, you know, whatever. Like, I'm, you know, virtual worlds are a, a recurring thing in science fiction. Hell yeah! You know, though he, he also takes a moment to uh, do a plug for his new uh, book about sci-fi movies called Primal Screen. Ooh. And we end the prog with Brosnan's review of Terminator 2. I feel like he's reversed course and saying that he liked the first Terminator movie now. But <laughs> and for the famously sour Brosnan, this is an incredibly uh, positive review. I, you good can't things. say anything bad about Judgment Day. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. He's got good stuff to say about the special effects, the writing, and even the acting. Oh, hell yeah, man. Yeah, no. Like, I, I pity the fool that, like, sort of holds Terminator 2 as a bad movie or something like that. It's like that. saying, like, RoboCop is a bad movie. Who are you? Yeah. Like, you know, like, what, like, we're just, we just, we just disagree on a lot of things, you know. Yeah. We, I don't know if we could be friends. Um, <laughs> Prog 7, I mean, it's fine. Like, like, you like, can live, have, live you your can life. have your taste, but also, like, you know, well. I just don't think, I just don't think we'd get along. That's no, all. No, I definitely um, don't think I would get along with that person either. <laughs> Prox 747, Cliff Robinson draws dread gun drawn in front of a not quite accurate American flag in its wordless cover. <laughs> you can see from the star setup, there's a lot of states yep. in that flag. Um, in the nerve center, Thor continues to plug Prox 750, which um, while general plugging duties have been handed to a new droid called Chip this week, who will be taking over a fair amount of uh, – writing stuff i'm not sure if chip being here means that there's a new sub editor or that um they just don't want to waste like now they're doing a lot of stuff in these nerve centers they don't need to waste waste the space with Mm -hmm. the igroid booting up sequence that i've been skipping over for the last few months (laughs) Um, it could be either of those honestly i will investigate and have the answer next episode nice Um, but yeah, uh, Chip's here. He's got some previews of upcoming thrills, which we'll get to ne- uh, probably, yeah, I guess in two episodes time soon enough. Okay. The input page is a picture of Judge Babar and letters yeah. that take Garth Ennis to task for his slander of Chief Judge Silver and even Judge Kraken during the events of Necropolis. Mm-hmm. And Tharg takes actually quite a bit of space refuting these objections. Another letter says that the word accommodate is spelled incorrectly in killing time in a letter itself full of uh, misspelling. Yeah, don't don't do that. If you don't call people out, <laughs> just I mean, don't call I, people out. I feel like it's a joke that the person correcting them, like it's uh. sort of a joke letter. But still, yeah, don't be a jerk. Listen, I misspeak all the time, and I appreciate when people don't take me to task for it. Um, <laughs> the uh, the prog ends with an entry from Tharg's Future Shop, allowing you to buy <clears throat> 2080 prog binders, a Judge Dredd mug, uh, three re- the the three recent poster progs on their own and a 2080 metal pin or badge. I want that. I want there. that pin. I mean, um, if you want a pin like that, you should go to uh, our, our friends of the show, planetreplicas.com, Ooh. which sell a bunch of uh, 2080 related um, swag, especially pins and things like that, as well as like if you want, like if you want a Judge Dread badge with your uh, name on it, that's where you should go. God damn. Cool. 
But uh, speaking of custom merch, Fox. <laughs> okay. Speaking of um, just sort of sliding mechanical devices into people's pockets and no one noticing, Fox. Oh, God. Speaking of, like, just betrayal of friendships. Yeah, and, like, a, a lot of things. Actually, let's talk. Thrill 5, Dow Demoto. Man, the three six, or I guess the one eighty that happens during the course of <laughs> these four yeah. episodes is real weird. Seriously, yeah, we're. I mean, we're steaming towards a conclusion in this one, so we're definitely sure. like trying to have a lot of plot happen in this limited spa- uh, uh, page space. Script robot uh, uh, Myra Hancock, art robot Dave Owen, letting robot Annie Parkhouse. So Lulu is, he- or Lula, I should say. I-, I feel like I've been calling her Lulu a lot, but I believe it's Lula is. Helping Dow get ready to meet Sopalco, slipping in an alarm device into her pocket just in case. Dow's very nervous about the meeting and promises to tell Lula everything about it. But when she leaves, we learn that that device that Lula slipped in her pocket is actually a bug. Yeah. Don't never bug your friends. Yeah. Dow uh, Dow meets Sopalco over a fancy dinner, and she says she knows his plan. Like, the baby's already there, and it's sending mental messages because it's an alien to make Dow want to get it implanted in her. She also lets slip out loud that it's an alien baby, and Lula hears this along with the location of the kid, and that's all she needs to hear. She heads off, leaving the radio behind (sighs) for some kind of scheme. Such a dingus. But that's when Sapalco drops the bombshell. There are no aliens. It's his genetic material. The baby's all human. Whoa. Oh, okay, buddy. Like what? <laughs> yeah. So exactly that. Like it's like you. So you first. First you you lied and also paid her to put your genetic material inside of her. This, like, feels extremely ethically dubious, Fox. Yeah, it doesn't sound like a good thing, but it uh, does. They get they get real chummy after this, which is like, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, I guess the aliens were all fake, and Sapalco just wanted to have a baby with Dow. Yeah. But I, we, we saw aliens earlier in this story. Fox, yeah, exactly. It looks like Amoeba, like, but I guess he says... It was all a big hoax, and he just wanted to trick her into appeal to her ego so that he could knock her up. Yeah. That doesn't seem cool. <laughs> I get, like... God, it's just real I don't rapey. Know. Yeah. Anyway, there's a, they see a ship leaving the station. It must be Lula going to steal that alien babby. Oh. <laughs> How Man. is babby formed, Fox? I mean, but, certainly by tricking a... a superstar dancer to uh, ingest your genetic material mm. under like under false pretenses yeah. saying that it's some sort of important like world saving thing or something that is how babby formed so so palco feels dow up briefly and yeah. finds the bug lula gave her i do like they right got- to the crotch first by the way yeah they gotta stop her from hurting the baby so they're quickly, like, uh, packing up and heading back to Earth. A cook at the bar gives her some food for the road, which I guess might come back into play, so I'm mentioning it. The two okay. are flying out into Palco's ship, and Dow feels silly that aliens would want to impregnate her or something. I don't know. Yeah. Next time, from cradle to grave. Man, the, there have only been, like, two people who have been nice to this woman. And one of them drugged an entire crew with tranquilizers. The other yeah. gave her a sandwich for her trip. 
It's a, I don't know. I, I, I'm feeling weird about this end, Fox. This I don't is, like it very much. It's really making me feel weird, especially because I was so bought in. Um, beautiful and art. Like, yeah, but just the fact that like Dow and this Sapalco guy start, suddenly developed a relationship or something. Uh, I guess you it's know. one of those romantic comedies like big gestures make you fall in love kind of thing or something like Mira that. Mira Hancock, you know? at me. I, you know, is there some subterfuge going on here? Because like I feel <laughs> feel like there's some there's some uh, potential key information I may have missed. This something. is like this definitely feels like this is a rape. So I, I mean, yeah, like just. Hmm. Uh, but from yeah. friendship and also from the literal sense, it's some like it's definitely like like I don't know a lot about the ethics of surrogacy and stuff like that. Like if you get someone, if someone agrees to get pregnant under false circumstances, I, but you're you also know, paying imagine, them or something. I imagine that's it's not pretty good. not all right. So yeah, it's not. I, I can. I I agree. It's definitely not good. I just, whatever. <laughs> yeah, um, just sounded. What 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 are the ethics involved? I know yeah. it is. It is a. It is a. It is an interesting conundrum that we're yeah, reading like, I through. Just, I just. I just don't know what to label it. You know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you Space know, it's rape. Future something. Future rape. I don't know. Maybe. Anyway, Fox. Let's move on to other future crimes oh. with. <laughs> Thrill six below zero. Oh man, it's time to take a take a jerkwad to task here, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Script robot John Brosnan, art robot Kev Hopgood, letting robot Glib. Yeah. So Tanner is about to si- fuck up your multi-billion-dollar corporation and give it the finger while it explodes behind him. Yeah. Fuck yeah, that's right. Our cyborg buddy. He's removing Paradise Now clients from their tubes and preparing to take out the owner of the company for trying to trap him in VR hell for eternity. Yeah, fuck that guy. Yeah, kill teams have been sent to take him out. But um, back at uh, Evil Headquarters, uh, Helena Gray, daughter of the CEO, uh, of the CEO, is starting to wonder if backing Dolly over Tanner was the smartest idea. I mean, especially because he doesn't kill... Like anybody on the way here. He does shoot some robots. And he does sort of do some tricks that cause these guys to kill each other, but that's about it. Well, they it's sleeping darts. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay, fair. In the catacombs, the kill teams takes out one of their own guys and almost one of the clients. And we learned that Tanner is in the air ducts, just freaking die hard in his oh, way. Oh, God. With his metal hands just like scratching down the side of the thing. It's real cool. Yeah. Very appropriate for this... Um, Two days after Christmas recording here, Fox. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> he bursts out the ducks and heads to the armory, and then a grenade drops in front of the robots guarding Paradise's now, now central Gabriel computer. Kaboom! Is the Matrix just diehard, but inside of a, a virtual reality? Nah. There's, I don't think there's a lot of air duct stuff in, in the Matrix, as I recall. There is no air duct stuff in the Matrix. So it's really for for Conrad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you gotta have some air duct stuff. If there's That's like, fair. like 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 for me, like I would literally describe like dieharding as crawling through the air ducts of a building. Well, you know, come to the coast, get together, have a few laughs. Exactly. Listen, quoted so many times. The core of the supercomputer Gabriel is exposed to to Tanner and can talk. 
it tries to uh, be like <laughs> tough and be like, oh, don't do this or don't destroy me or there'll be trouble. But Tanner realized that he's just kind of lying and it clearly has no defenses. Yeah, so Tanner blows, uh, uh, finger, finger bangs it and uh, blows it up. <laughs> This company's done. Everyone's starting to wake up inside their own personal glass cases of emotion. Uh, Tanner, <laughs> Tanner thinks back to the gene wars of hearing that the city he lived in with his wife has been destroyed. Fuck. And then fights his way through the security teams to the base's headquarters. Dolly, who was a Tanner squad sergeant, will recall, wants to run. Um, and Helena asks why Dolly can't just fight Tanner, you know, zap him. With her own, why can't she finger bang Tanner, huh? <laughs> yeah, what's going on here? <laughs> what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Yeah, come on, finger Dolly's, bang Tanner. Yeah, Dolly says hers is broken, but then Tanner arrives at the headquarters and explains, late in the war, Dolly was court-martialed for cowardice in the face of the enemy, and which is exactly what happened when Lieutenant Gray died. There weren't witnesses for that one, but there were later times when she did the same thing. And there were witnesses, and eventually it all caught up with her. This is why she has to carry an Uzi, and she's been disallowed from ever finger-banging again. Very sad. The, ju- uh, the jig <laughs> seems to be up. Dolly grabs Helena and takes her hostage, but a heroic unnamed lag- lab tech attacks Dolly, gets shot in the gut for his See? efforts. She kills a man. She's the only one who does a murder. Yeah, luckily, well, don't well, speak too soon because this well, opens Dolly up to attack. Is, is vengeance murder? <laughs> and Tanner finger bangs her right in the heart. <laughs> Shot through the hole heart, in her chest. and you're too late. You get finger banging a bad name. Oh, that's a, that's terrible. But Tanner's <laughs> Tanner's it's over. Tanner's done. Like, he says he won't kill the greys. They aren't worth the ammo. Instead, he heads Damn. home back to his apartment, embraces Alana, and asks about the bug wars <laughs> just to make sure that there isn't more weird stuff going on. Nah, man. This is this is your, this is your lady who is uh, the clone of that other lady. Yeah. The end of uh, Below Zero. And sadly for us, this is the last installment of the Zero Saga. Um, and the last thrill written by John Brosnan in 2000 AD. I think he might do some more movie reviews and stuff, but this is the end of just a nice little contained God damn uh, it. sci-fi series that in this um, in 2000 AD. It's too good to say goodbye to. I love it's this fun, story. Man. Like I gotta say that I I haven't yet, but reading all these zero stories has made me interested in reading some of uh, Brosnan's fiction and stuff. He's written a bunch yeah. of sci-fi books and and things like all that because right. these are. All these comics are tightly scripted. They, you know, they sort of get in and get out in about ten progs or so. Yeah, absolutely. They, like the the characters are fun. There's a mix of uh, of action and comedy that works really well. I think. Yeah. Um, and like, I think these zero stories do kind of get. I don't know. Like these are ones that I think are also not <sighs> remembered super fondly, but I think are 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 neat and like I, worth a look. I'd love to see. A zero collection out there, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm. I. I mean, it. It's. It's a great series. Yeah, I think there's just a lot of really fun stuff, and I just really like this sort of um, like sci-fi story generator. You know, like this would be. I'd love to do like a like an RPG that's set in this zero city setting fuck, and stuff. Fuck yeah, dude! Like just because it seems like there's a lot of like. 
Like there's like like it it's a very like it's a cyberpunk story that at least until below zero didn't have a ton of just computer stuff, but had mm-hmm. a lot of this like class imbalance and gangs and like very atmospheric settings and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's fun. A man got eaten by a sewer monster. There was a giant blimp that was like forcing tribes to give up their food. That was and run a by building had a had a tiger as a security device. Oh you know? my god, that's right! And he was all fucked up. <laughs> they didn't even they didn't even show the fight. They just cut from the tiger, <laughs> which, is, which is perfect to him. Yeah, to him just standing there, all messed up. Like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> Why did you have a robo tiger? <laughs> um, yeah, I will say if I had one criticism about this story is that it's not super clean. Like, there's parts in this. Mm-hmm. Where like Tanner wakes up out of the tube and then is immune to stun stun weapons and stuff that I yeah. wish they had explained a little more. Like I thought, I thought for sure they were gonna have. I thought for sure that in the course of this ending, there would be at least one more layer of virtual reality that he was in yeah. and stuff. Um, and so it seemed <clears throat> like like I could have seen like he um. Like when he left that first time to investigate the kill, when he talked to that to the husband of that lady that was a computer scientist, if he had also made a deal to like give him some kind of override to let him like overcome the VR programming or something. Yeah. Like that feels like kind of a dangling possible, like both an unexplained section of the story and kind of a dangling plot thread or something. Mm. But, um, Otherwise, yeah, you know, I feel like that's that's a criticism I have. But otherwise, this is just a fun little story. Yeah, I don't feel like they they breadcrumbed it as well as they could have. But also, mm-hmm. like this this is me picking nits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I can I can find some small problems and stuff. But overall, just a yeah, fun, light, oh, like so you know, good. basically makes sense. Has has some has um yes good some some fun action I liked all the realities in this one and stuff that was pretty oh, fun oh yeah I did oh, some jokes fantastic. about like sci-fi and things like yeah I just, just said the what? guy who who pretended to be James Bond and got a rocket to his body yeah like you know this is this is never a marquee thrill I think but I think it's also just a fun prog like like end of the prog story just to kind of give you some action and some fun. To kind of as a nice way to end the yeah. end the prog for the week. It's a nice it's a nice little little sweet at the end of your meal. Yeah. Anyway, speaking of stories we're gonna be a lot less complimentary of Fox. Oh fuck it. Let's talk about our old buddies. Thrill seven Harlem Heroes. Featuring Slice. Yeah, script robot Michael Fleischer, art robot Jeff Senior, lettering robot Pat Prentice, who's gonna be coming on for some uh some more lettering duty. Nice. Well, Harlem Heroes is back, or mostly just that Jerk Slice is back. Oh, great. On the run from jerks in some kind of arena thing. They're shooting rapid-fire mini trank darts at him. But Slice is a better idea, which is throwing some goddamn taser knives at these dudes. Which, I like, they're tranking at you. But he's got electricity knives. They get electrocuted. And it seems that all this is some sort of taser combat event at a future stadium. And, like, listen, like, I understand that there's tasing and stuff, but when it's also attached to a fucking knife, then that's a knife fight, you know? Well, yeah, no, and they go inside of their bodies. Oh, yeah, no, these guys get stabbed in the course of it. It's not cool. (laughs) Like, Um, he was just going to get, you know, tranquilizered. Yeah. So, he takes him out, and uh, it's sort of all good fun and sort of the event. (laughs) Slice helps one of the guys to their feet. 
but one of the other ones swaps the ammo in his gun to fire real bullets. Slice runs, finds his bandolier of taser knives, and throw them all at this cheat, frying him alive. Yeah. Slice beats up the owner of the place and gets paid out. Very sort of uh, Spider-Man 1 going on here. Yeah. But anyway, he on his way home, a blonde woman just kind of sees him and comes running towards him, named Lorna, I guess. Lorna Marne. But be- Oh, my God, it's Death Planet. But before <laughs> she can say anything... Another, um, some more goons drive by and kidnap her. It's very much the start of Double Dragon going on here. Oh, um, yeah. The goons drive off and their hover van takes flight, but Slice, like, grabs it and is dragged up with him. And so they eject the door he was holding on to and he goes plummeting to the ground. It just doesn't seem like a good idea to have a rear door eject button on your flying car. Custom van, buddy. I guess. Luckily, Slice doesn't leave home without his trusty jetpack. Okay. And while it's not built for non-stadium use, it does allow him to land safely as that door from the van comes crashing down after him as well. It doesn't hit him or anything. Slice remembers happier times when he was clean-shaven with a regular haircut. He was in love with Lorna, and now he's going to save her. Elsewhere, (laughs) a bunch of goons are building some kind of hover tank, and their boss is about to brand it with his sweet snake brand when Slice shows up asking questions about that hover van, and a gunfight breaks out. I just, what the fuck? Very much the opposite of, like, that part in John Wick where um, Keanu Reeves just sort of shows up and John Leguizamo was like, I don't want any trouble. Here's all the information about that car. Yeah. Um, the, um, so um, the boss named Snake wants to save his business and gives the information to Slice who leaves with that Ooh. sweet hover tank. He's got a dumb um, snake hat, too. The fangs are, like, right over his eyeballs. Pretty crazy. <clears throat> Slice flies off as Snake then has his goons clean the place up and gets on the vid phone and says, it's all going as planned. Whoa. Man, we're doing a double cross. Yep, that's right. Double, or double I guess or, like, you know. A double cross, a double slice. Oh, Whoa. All right there, bud. That's good. Slice gets ready for the fight and has a flashback. And it seems like they met when Slice was pulling some kind of con okay. at a bank branch of the Mercury National Megacorp where she was a bank teller. Slice's con went bad like the codes he has were wrong, but before she could hit the panic button, a wall exploded and some more like direct, not messing around thieves arrived to rob the bank vault. Mm-hmm. Uh, Slice took them all out and it seems like the two of them escaped and used the cover of those guys to get a ton of Megacorp gold bullion. Okay, cool. Now Slice is rolling through the walls of this baddie's base vaporizing him with the tank cannon and stuff. He goes to find Lorna in the van, but when he gets close enough, he steps onto a pressure God. pad, getting then, enveloped in a green force field. He's stuck. That's stupid. And then a suit and tie comes at him. Yeah, a voice from the shadow says the tank, bringing the tank surprised them, but they still caught him. Who is it? Someone from Slice's past, I guess. I don't know. Next time, an old friend. All right, sure, it's fine. Blah, blah. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good on this. It's just like, it's, it's kind of the whole iced tea thing. I care now. You taught me to care. You know, I'm like, just like, it, it like doesn't, listen, I'm, it's I'm all for. Yeah, I'm all for light popcorn violence fox but mm-hmm. it can get too light is what i'm trying to say yeah no it's just like what like they have they have him moving forward but they have to constantly go back into the past each time to be like she's important i promise yeah it's it like is oh, very, sure 
Like, this is a five-prog story, and it really shows. You know, they've got to kind of, <laughs> like, create this character. Like, they've got to cre- – yeah, they've got to create the um, the urgency of the plot as the plot's going on. You know, there are some spinning plates and stuff like that. Yeah, no doubt. Anyway, speaking of more direct <laughs> stories, Fox, and the topic of more direct stories, uh-huh. let's just go to Thrill 8. Future Shocks. I'm guessing Holiday of a Lifetime's in there, right? Yep. Good. I'm going to sit back yeah. and relax. <laughs> Script robot Paul Carstairs. Yeah. First Future Shock, Holiday of a Lifetime. Script robot Paul Carstairs. Art robot Mick Austin. Letter robot Pat Prentice. 19th dimensional being Vellum Abra is going on vacation, but the fancy trips are all sold out, so he takes an economy one. Uh, flies in a strangely familiar ship, has to quarantine a bit. And then puts on a local costume and heads out to be born as a baby. Baby Wang Alert 5. <laughs> anyway, he lives a whole human life, eventually dying. Should be time to go home. But as he gets cremated and gets put in an urn, he realizes he can't find his dang return ticket. Uh, okay. Not even mustering up uh, air horns here. Yeah, Next one. Fine. A piece of paper. Script oh. robot Win Wyacek. Art robot Tom Perkins, letter robot Alita Fell, and that's P-E-A-C-E of paper for you, buddy. Okay. At Geneva Field, there's reports of a special envoy that's been negotiating with the Pluragi race of aliens, who are these ugly expansionistic blobs. War between humans and Pluragi, Pluragi, seem inevitable when Dr. Neville, the envoy, steps off the ship in his hand, a piece of paper. But then the vid feed goes out, so they got to fill time. And we learn that Neville has a degree in xenotoxicology, but then the feed comes back on, the doctor explains. This paper he has was distributed all over the Pluragi race, dropped from ships on their home world and colonized planets, etc., mm-hmm. sending one unified message. The plague spores that you have evol- absorbed from proximity to this note will kill you in 30 seconds. There is no cure. Yours sincerely, etc. P.S. Squirm in hell, slimy alien fiends. So genocide is the joke here. Woo! War crimes! <laughs> Eat your heart out, uh, Dan Dare. Seriously. Yeah, listen. I mean, they were it, it was them or us, I guess. But sure. uh, yeah, just wiped out a whole civilization, buddy. Good times. I mean, I with, guess it's better with paper. With poison. So live it up, you know. Feel good about yourselves, God, future Jesus. humanity, you jerks. Ugh. Anyway, on that note, Fox. Ah. Solid end note. I must ask you, what are your top and bottom thrills for oh this? Seven forty four to seven forty seven. I am gonna, I'm gonna tell you right now. I'm gonna explain to you some things, and then we're gonna get there. I want to say right. special mention below zero. You're beautiful. Special mention killing time. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Um, final special mention dead meat. I haven't laughed that <laughs> that much <laughs> reading something in a while. Uh, it is hilarious. It is stupid. It is so uh, exactly what I thought it was going to be and more. Um, but my God, of course, my top's going to Revere. Are you even kidding me? Beautiful. Nice. Um, just in terms of like how stark it can be, how colorful it can be, how mind bending it can be. And then just the story, of it like it is pushing me along it, like the the open 
where it's like, oh, I'm, we're some bad dudes and we're going to get you. And I'm like, all right, now time for some sci-fi gunfight. Nah, dog, weaponized bats and like goo out of your mouth that melts people. And then just shit gets crazier from there. It's beautiful. I love it. I love it so much, Conrad. <laughs> for, my bottom, right. for my bottom hand, uh, you know, it's Harlem Heroes. Uh, I, I, would, I would refuse this slice of the comic book. <laughs> not not into it uh it's fine uh you're gonna be you're gonna be my whipping boy for a little while so thanks for showing up uh and conrad there. i must know kind sir good sir will you please serve me up your top and bottom thrills sure bottom thrill i'll happily join you with harlem heroes buddy mike listen don't care yeah. for that. easy easy choice um for top um i don't know I'm tempted to say Revere as well. I liked Revere a lot. I think in the I I, I also liked actually I like Dread a lot this month. These two yeah. big these two longer stories, the, the pineapple and uh, the music and uh, um, um, Muzak Killer. Mm. Like both of those, like they do have kind of a weird music theme as well, just because of what the pineapple can do and stuff like that. So those are all fun. Like Dead Meat, liked um, Below Zero as well for maybe different reasons, but both very fun. Um, but I think I might give my top to Indigo Prime this time. Hell again. yeah. I really liked it. And even Do though it. it just had one entry, that entry was very strong and really left me with a lot of emotions and feelings and Hell stuff. Yeah, I mean, man. It was it was very much one of the like when I read um Indigo Prime for last episode, it was one of these uh rare times I tried not to do it too much where I just had to sort of jump to the next episode and just finish it off and stuff. Just yeah. I was really I was really um, intrigued by the writing and and the story and things like that. It is a fantastic. I you know I think that that it earns that top spot. You can have you can have one of some like especially with how much we've you know in the past just kind of or I've I've done it once in a while where we scapegoat you know like a you know a. a <laughs> What am I? Uh, yeah, like a short story, a short thrill, or something. Yeah, like that. Yeah, something like that. Where where it's just like, no, you know, this this kind of gets tossed away because everything else was great. I I mean, I think that it's even more impressive to get a top spot with just one. You know? Yeah, I mean, I'd say my methodology is that I like a bottom thrill to kind of show to be around for a while a little bit. Like that's why, I, yeah. or like you know, that's why I, I kind of disqualify future shocks a lot and like just one off stories or something. Sure, but you know, anything can be a top thrill if it, um, you know, blows your socks off enough. Fuck yeah. You know? Absolutely. So, and, I, and I feel like Killing Time, especially the second half of Killing Time, has God. really been, you know, m- my socks have been in danger because, <laughs> they you know. In fuego. I haven't been wearing shoes in the course of these recaps because of <laughs> the socks being blown off. <laughs> Just exploding, really. Yeah. All right, fantastic. I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitch, or the Google Play Store, Spotify, or our podcast site at spacespinner2000.com. Contact at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com and 2080 forums or our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. On Twitter, we're at Space Spinner 2K. Everything else, Space Spinner 2000, and you'll find us. This show is brought to you by Steve Green, Zane Kip Miller, and your friends at the 2080 Forums. If you'd like to join them and help support the show, we'd really appreciate it. Please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash Cradline, our podcast network. There, you can support the show, receive a ton of excellent rewards, including advanced episodes, coverage of modern 2000 AD in the magazine, and even monthly Q&As with Fox and myself. They're pretty good. Yeah. 
Come back next week as we make a as we take a, a brief break from our weekly progs and take a look at these 2000 AD and Judge Dredd yearbooks. We're done with annuals. Yearbook time now, baby. They're oh, slightly yeah. thinner and maybe have more of a focus on new content, I guess. That's that's the dream, at least. New content. <laughs> and then come back in two weeks as Fox and I are back. We'll finish up our current thrills and start a whole new slate for Prog 750. Ooh. Time for the election in Judge Dredd. Yeah. And we'll get new stories for ABC Warriors, Robo Hunter, Strontium Dogs, and Damn. Universal Soldier. <sighs> okay. Exactly. And until then, I'm Conrad East Fox, and we are Space Spinner 2000. Wow. 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 Wow.